All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, today on the Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host. As always, if you're listening on the app, either live or on replay, and you haven't already done so, please give us a subscribe so that you can stay up to date uh, with the show. If you're listening uh, on replay on one of the um, other platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts that we're on, uh, please like, follow, and rate, and also consider uh, downloading the call-in app. Um, so uh, today... Uh, we're going to be talking about how the media in the West has covered two specific conflicts uh, that are ongoing, primarily, uh, well, first, uh, on the one hand, is uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, This the ongoing war over there that has been, uh, you know, just pretty devastating to watch it's going on about two months now there's been a lot of uh blood violence war crimes um pretty horrific uh to watch and then uh the other is you know the latest flare-up of violence in uh the occupied territories in jerusalem where we have uh israel basically just um you know from over the last you know week or so have, have just been uh, really upping their levels of, of violence and attacks against um, the, the Palestinian people. Not that you know, not that that violence ever really ends, uh, but it is ongoing right now uh, to an extent that that it normally isn't. Um, now, originally we were going to be joined by Omar uh, Grabe, um, who is a former journalist and activist uh, in in Gaza. Uh, he uh, works with Oxfam and, and does some other uh, NGO work around there. Um, however, uh, he couldn't make it, so um, we kind of pivoted a little bit to, to concentrate more on, on the media aspect of it, and that's why I'm going to be joined by my friend and yours, Sam Sachs, uh, Means TV host and uh, co-host of District Sentinel, uh, radio show, so I've invited Sam to speak. He'll he'll jump on here in a second, um, and this is going to be a pretty kind of free flowing um, conversation here. Anybody who wants to call in, feel free to kind of jump in whenever. Um, Sam, welcome. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, everyone else. Yep, everybody, everybody in the chat. Hello. Um, how are things uh, in Means TV world, in District Sentinel world? Oh, things are good. Uh, I actually think uh, District Sentinel co-host, other Sam, Sam Knight, might be uh, joining us later. Uh, we uh, we got a new episode out that we did on, uh, released on Saturday for people to check out over on our Patreon. And um, yeah, Means TV is going well. We've... Uh, you know, you can always listen to or listen to the Means Morning News podcast uh, Tuesday through Friday, and you got to subscribe to listen to the show. But Means just rolled out their um, subscribe whatever you can afford little widget, so you choose how much you can afford each month, all the way down to a dollar. So, um, and they just uh, rolled out a new wrestling program for the professional wrestling heads out there uh, that's just debuting today. So cool. some. Uh, cool things going on at means as well 
Nice, nice. Good to hear it. Well, um, Sam, we haven't talked. I think the last time we talked was when, or on the show, uh, was when you were on here for a panel about um, Western media coverage of the war in Ukraine. Uh, that was, I think, maybe even, you know, in March. It was like last month. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you've been following this pretty closely. I think, you know, before we get into the specifics here of of how it's being covered, you know, with respect to other conflicts, uh, what, you know, what is your general sense of the way that the West, Western media and, and kind of institutions are covering and treating this war in Ukraine um, as, you know, in a general sense? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking, you know, specifically how they're covering, you know, certain, act, like, you know, like the, like the war crime stuff that we're, that's coming out and, and uh, you know, these, these incidents that are, that are quite horrific, but the, but the conflict in general, well, how, what do you think, how do you think that they're doing with that? Well, I mean, they're covering it exactly as you'd expect a nation that is heavily invested and involved in the war, in particular one side of the war, uh, as, as you would expect the, you know, the U.S. to be. So uh, let's, I guess the number is now over $2 billion or close to $2 billion in weapons that have been uh, authorized to go to Ukraine. Um, so we obviously have a vested interest. U.S. policy has an interest in this, and that's reflected in the media and how it's portrayed here. Now, that's not to say that there isn't an objective truth to what's happening in Ukraine, right? The, there is an invading aggressor nation. That's Russia. And uh, from lots of documented ev- evidence, there's uh, war crimes going on. And a lot of this, I think, there's an effort um, by the U.S. media to portray this as some unusual war, that this isn't a war that's unlike any other types of war, that this is a particularly nasty war. And it is a nasty war, but it is very similar to other wars and other conflicts we see all the time around the world. And in particular, in the assault we saw last year, uh, in Israel's assault on Palestine and Gaza last year, where you saw virtually identical images of apartment buildings being targeted and hollowed out. And you saw the portrayal of people resisting this uh, occupation and invasion and bombing. And it's just been so glaring when you compare these two events together. And of course, when it comes to Israel-Palestine, the U.S. has a side in that war too, or in that conflict as well. So I think that that is the main driver of how the media, you know, looks at these two conflicts. It's it's based on what side the U.S. is currently fighting on, because we are deeply involved in both. Right, right. Although although I would say that, you know, there, there is a difference in that um, we are much more i think actively involved in the in the in the israel palestine war um and overtly uh than than in in russia ukraine and i think the one you know major reason for that is that being involved like hyper directly in russia ukraine uh is the kind of thing that then would lead to a, a real explosion of conflict in the way that uh, like they would have ramifications, I think beyond just the region rather than like uh, Israel, Palestine, where the ramifications generally tend to be uh, pretty contained other than, you know, like, like occasional spurts of, 
of violence. So that is a distinction that I think is important to make just to, just to kind of, uh, yeah. I wonder into, how much, yeah. I wonder, you know, you got to wonder how long that distinction is going to hold up though. Right. <laughs> Cause like the, the, the type of weaponry that is going into Ukraine is increasing. I think the latest package announced last week, $750 million includes, uh, heavy tanks or, or I'm sorry, uh, heavy cannons, uh, helicopters, uh, attack helicopters and drones. And now you've got, you know, Democratic senators like Chris Coons calling for U.S. troops to be deployed in Ukraine. And I'm sure that, you know, th- there's not confirmation of this. I mean, there was confirmation that you had covert operations, CIA paramilitaries operating in Ukraine before the Russian invasion. It was reported that Biden pulled them out. You know, to what extent that's true, I, I don't know. It, would, it wouldn't surprise me if there are still more covert assets there. So uh, it's not like we have U.S. troops fighting embedded with Israeli defense forces. I mean, you have training exercises together and everything like that. But yeah, well, it's just it's 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 a much more like U.S. and Israel are, are just so tied together um, and have been for so long while U.S. and Ukraine is not. Yeah, Quite, Ukraine's, like, 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 Ukraine's the new the new kid in town a bit here. Yeah, a little bit, but there's you know there's not like a, a well established kind of back and forth uh, between the two countries in the same way. Um, so this is kind of like a bit of a district sentinel reunion here because we now also have Sam Knight. So two Sams and an Owen. Sam, thanks for joining Sam and I. Uh, if you want to unmute yourself and say hey, I like that banana hat, Sam Knight. Thank you. Sorry, I was I was um, struggling with the unmute function, but clearly I've succeeded in uh, in activating it. And the banana hat is the hat of a minor league baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. Excellent, excellent. What, it, uh... it, it made me uh, choose a profile pic, so I went through my selfie uh, filter, and I don't know. There you go. Look, looks pretty good. Yeah. So, so now we have the whole uh, Sentinel gang here. Uh, thanks, guys. Nice yeah, we normally have you, you guys as the on guest. my show for once. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that? I said, that's what I was going to say. We normally have you as the uh, third mic on our show. Now we're the second and third mics on your show. It's just a little, uh, little back and forth. Um, so, Sam Knight, uh, what is, what do you think about what we're talking about here? Um, what do you, I mean, I'm, I'm just interested in you because I'm trying to get like both your perspectives here before we kind of start digging more into the, the, the details. So it's a little hard to parse at times because obviously the Russian invasion of Ukraine is a major story. It's a major event. It is um, a terrible war. Um, and... Uh, but I mean, I guess my my take on on the media coverage is that it, it it's obviously um, well, it reminds me of, and this is cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It reminds me of uh, manufacturing consent, the um, the theory or the um, study, whatever you want to call it, the Chomsky work, uh, where he notes that. 
when there is a policy objective that is convenient to um, the ruling class and the U.S. government, that it is reflected in the media coverage, if only in the sheer volume that it gets. And there's a very good documentary of manufacturing consent. I, the name of the filmmaker who put it out, skip the uh, eludes my mind right now, and you I apologize. Can find it for YouTube on free though, for free. I mean, it's like it's it's very easy to find. Sure. Yes, I know he's Canadian. I can tell you that much. But there is this very powerful scene where he visualizes um, a case study in the book where uh, the coverage of Cambodia in the New York Times is represented by reams and reams and reams and reams of paper, whereas the coverage of the um, mass killings in Indonesia, which were supported by the U.S. government, is, is represented by like a half a sheet or a scrap of paper. So, um, you know, again, this isn't to say that what's going on in Ukraine isn't terrible and, and, and um, largely falls, the, the blame falls on the Russian government and, and Vladimir Putin's shoulders. And yet the, the media coverage, um, yeah, it, it, it when you compare it to things like Palestine or um, what's going on in Yemen, for example, and um, even even the Yemen one, I think, is a useful example, maybe more so than Palestine, because there you have um, years worth of atrocities being carried out by someone who can be it, it's not hard. It, it, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's easier for the American media to explain to their viewers why someone like Mohammed bin Salman is cartoonishly evil versus why something like the Israeli system of apartheid is cartoonishly evil, um, which, in my opinion, they both are. And I think that facts on the ground backs that up. And for a while, you saw coverage of Mohammed bin Salman being portrayed as uniquely evil, but it wasn't because he killed Yemenis. It was because he killed a single op-ed columnist, Jamal Khashoggi. And obviously that was a horrific killing. Um, but how much worse is it than what he does on a daily basis in Yemen, where millions of people are on the brink of starving? Yeah, um, I think, and, I, I, you know, I think that there is a, uh... Part of it, part of it too, is 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 like not even necessarily so much about uh, how media itself like kind of uh, portrays like these these uh, conflicts that the U.S. is involved in so directly. There are also certain norms, institutional and media norms that they're trying to protect. So, uh, for example, like Bin Salman. Uh, you know, being being a large driver and a big part of the war on Yemen, and you know, like if if not, you know, probably the the most singly responsible person of the responsible people for that. Um, that's not really something that disrupts the institutional order that the U.S. is a part of. That's not something that, um, like as as horrible as it is, and, and though you know, maybe maybe uh, lawmakers really do think that it is a, a horrific uh, 
uh, conflict and, and maybe they do really want, you know, want it to end and want to take action to stop it. But uh, for them, that that itself and, and for media institutions, that 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 war itself is not something that actually challenges uh, the, the U.S. order. And, and well, and it's, a, it's order an extension. It's an extension of it because we're well, obviously yeah. we're providing but, support for it to, to go on. And, you know, I'm sure you could find a number of people who, who want to be well-meaning and show their solidarity with the Ukrainian people who, on the other hand, if, if you were to ask them about the Houthi resistance, that they would just dismiss it offhand as, as a, as an Iranian proxy, right? because right. that but, is, but, that is the official line. But again, but I, I think that the difference, right, between like uh, the, the war on Yemen and the war in Ukraine and the killing of Khashoggi is the killing of Khashoggi and the war in Ukraine are something are things that disrupt an understood uh, established order, right? That like, you know, that you don't uh, kill or attack journalists on the one hand and that you don't um, disrupt the kind of, you know, uh, peace in Europe that has existed since world war two, quote unquote. I know that it, I know that's like an like a overgeneralization and not even like a true statement, but that's like the general feeling uh, that it, that exists there. And so, for uh, for people to disrupt these these uh, uh, kind of accepted uh, points of order in the world is is seen as worse, right? It's seen as worse uh, than you know doing doing a horrific uh, war of ethnic cleansing. Uh, in Yemen, or to continue to, you know, to, to go on to the theme that we were, you know, that we're, that we're discussing here, um, the ongoing ethnic cleansing in Palestine, right? Because that itself is kind of an accepted uh, part of the way that the world works. I would also say that um, the Palestine conflict and, and the violence that is going on right now uh, is actually like pretty similar to the violence in in Ukraine, in that you have one uh, much more powerful aggressor and one much less powerful uh, uh, quote unquote uh, victim. Uh, you know the difference is obviously in who is getting what levels of support, but the way that it's going to be, you know, the way that it's talked about, it, like they're talking about clashes, they're talking about violence. In Jerusalem, they're talking about. Um, uh, well, I mean, clash is like the perfect word because it 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 kind of flattens out who's responsible. It flattens out, and there's no responsibility here. There's no like one party that's the aggressor or not. While the war in Ukraine is being referred to specifically as as a, a war of Russian invasion, you guys see what I mean there about like that difference and how that's being being portrayed. Yeah, yeah, and I I think kind of like going back to what you were saying about like you know how, how it's more egregious in their eyes what's happening like a journalist being killed it violates some order there is there is this frustration in u.s media right now among major media outlets reporting on russia russia's invasion and particularly like the more uh heinous acts we're seeing um the targeting of civilians and and what appear to be executions of, of like, why, why can't anything be done about this? Like there's constantly reporters asking the white house, well, 
you know, Biden has called this a, a genocide now, or Biden has said they're war crimes. What's the, what's the plan now? What are we going to do about it? And there's this inability for the U.S. media to sort of square the circle on like how if we're going to be reporting that that the that there is some violation of a rules based order happening here. How do we how do we take the next step and hold Russia accountable? What is that next step? And the reason why it's so superficial and they can't really dig into that is because the U.S. has spent decades trying to destroy the credibility of and even the existence of any sort of rules based order. And there have been attempts by nations across the world to create one through the International Criminal Court, but they've failed for the most part. I mean, most of any of the convictions that have come through the ICC have been uh, military and political officials of countries in Africa. So the whole thing is, has become a fraud, and that's mainly a result of countries like the U.S. that have worked to delegitimize it and not cooperate with it to the extent of passing legislation that would authorize military force against an institution like that if they were to try to bring charges against an American for uh, crimes. And and U.S. is protected. Um, you've asked, there's human rights groups that have asked the U.S. to, uh, to detain, arrest, begin criminal proceedings against Saudi and UAE officials for uh, their campaign in Yemen uh, to bring those against Israeli officials for what's happening in Palestine. And all of them have been rebuffed. So now when there are calls to like do something uh, about Vladimir Putin for doing this stuff, it's it's all completely hollow. You can't because no rules-based order exists because it's been destroyed by the U.S. Yeah, they have lost like, like a, a, a huge amount of credibility, which uh, is is the kind of thing that has these you know, these ramifications, like you're saying, like, um, without any credibility to hold, I mean, like, Putin called this out, like, to Bush's face uh, during, uh, like, I think in, like, 2007, when Bush was saying something about human rights, and he just, like, threw it back in his face, just talking about, um, you know, the war on Iraq, and the war on Afghanistan, and Guantanamo, and, like, all totally fair points. Uh, all, all, all totally legitimate points. I mean, like, what credibility does the U.S. really have uh, to enforce this other than uh, the fact that it is the predominant world power, um, you know, or, or, or one of the two, maybe if you include China, um, who could I mean, possibly, it, you know, it, do anything about this. So. Well, it would be, oh, oh, and it, it sounds like you're doing a whataboutism. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, well, this is a whataboutism uh, safe space, guys. You, you can... You can talk about uh, other bad things that happen in the world in, on this show. The thing is, it, it would be great if we had like a rules based order where where you could bring prosecution against heads of state for engaging in crimes of ethnic cleansing and war crimes. And like to the extent that Russia's invasion, which is a war crime in itself, could trigger like these mechanisms to suddenly become legitimate, like that would be a good thing. But it's clear that's not happening because we're immediately confronted with the war in Yemen continuing. And now um, these latest assaults on like the Al-Aqsa Mosque and who knows like where this goes to, because this is what started what happened in the in the in the war last year, Russia or I'm sorry, Israel's 
bombing of Gaza last year. Let's hope it doesn't get to that point again. But like, it's not happening. So then what are we doing here? Like, just we're just going to be hollowly condemning Russian war crimes, knowing that we can't do anything about it because we won't prosecute ourselves or our friends for the same reasons. And then you you had this absolute beauty of a lead from the Associated Press, which I'm not um, I'm not trying to criticize their coverage here so much as the the subject of their coverage. This is from um, let's see, this is from Thursday. United Nations Associated Press. The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations accused Russia on Thursday of making the precarious food situation in Yemen and elsewhere even worse by invading Ukraine. <laughs> That right, is just right. that is oh man it's it's Putin's price hike. Yeah, the, I mean the cynicism is 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 pretty grotesque, but um, but I think that you know it, you you guys bring up a good point, and I think that this is something that that I kind of want to talk a little bit more about, which is that um, if like the, like the rules based order collapsing uh, or or you know if it ever even existed, right? But uh, but. You know, the, the idea that the U.S. has no credibility but is still, you know, powerful enough to enforce its will, but it has no credibility uh, when it's calling out war crimes. It has no credibility uh, in order to kind of make its uh, make its opinion known on on these these topics. You know, when, when it goes up in front of the U.N. to say, I mean, like that the, the Yemen food crisis thing is, is an egregious example. But, you know, there, there are a lot of these Um what it also damages, it damages like any chance that um, that the rest of the world, like the global south, quote unquote, as it's called, is going to have any kind of uh, respect or understanding uh, for any credibility of, of any powerful country to say anything. Right. And that, you know, obviously there are different rules in place for different countries. Now, you could say, look, um, the U.S. and its allies just basically destroyed the Russian economy because Russia invaded Ukraine. And like, while that's true, there aren't going to be any other consequences for that at all. Um, you know, as far like, like, the, like the U S and NATO and, and are, are not going to go to war uh, over what's going on in Ukraine. It doesn't matter how many um, human rights abuses and atrocities we get uh, photo or video of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how how much this stuff is is put in your face. It, it it's completely irrelevant. Um, the, like the fact is that uh, Russia has nuclear weapons and it's one of the most powerful countries in the world. And there's just no way uh, that their leaders are going to you know face any consequences from outside. Maybe they will from the inside, but they won't from the outside. And I think that when you kind of juxtapose that with the way that less powerful countries are treated in the way that uh, human rights is often used as a reason uh, for countries uh, like, like the U.S., like, like countries in the EU, you know, NATO, uh, even, you know, I mean, this is what Russia is doing in Ukraine. This is what Russia is saying about Ukraine, the same thing, you know, that there are these conflicts, uh, that there are these, you know, abuses going on, these extreme politics and so, you know, we have to invade to, uh, I mean, this is the exact same thing that Israel does to Palestine as well. Uh, you know, saying, I mean, actually, it's a bit of a digression, but a lot of the language that is being used uh, by uh, Russian media and, and you know, uh, Russia itself uh, to describe, like, why they are bombing 
you know, apartment buildings or whatever in Ukraine is like is almost word for word the same stuff uh, that Israel says when they are bombing the Palestinians. And so, like, I think uh, yeah, if, if I could just yeah, jump go ahead, go ahead. In there. If, if I could just jump in there too really quickly, because you might be going somewhere else with this, but um, it, it, it was notable that one of the first world leaders to schedule a visit to Moscow after the invasion was uh, Naftali Bennett, the Israeli prime minister. And um, yeah, I don't know if I really have anything more to say than that. It just, it just trying to build off of what you said about, um, you know, yeah. the Russian... I mean, I think I think that you know p- p- part of this too is that like Israel's uh, position is a little bit uh, like take away like the ethnic cleansing and all that stuff for a second, right? Just like look at like Israel's position in the world, like as it relates to Russia, who is like a big ally of theirs, and the U.S., who's also a huge ally of theirs. Like, of course, of course, they've been trying to split the difference. I mean, the same thing. Um, like India's been doing doing much of the same thing. I mean, like there there are a lot of countries that are trying to kind of have it both ways and play both sides here. Um, so like while there is while there is something to look into as far as like you know th- like it's interesting that Neftali Bennett is you know saying that. Um, also, like some of that is really just based on on the uh, the desire I think to keep good relations with 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 large powerful countries that that are your your pals. If that makes sense. True. I mean, you could also point out that India is uh, being accused of doing similar things in Kashmir, um, and 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 there's a lot of affinity between the um, the Hindutva and the uh, and, and Zionists in general on Twitter, or at least there is one way. You certainly have a lot of like <laughs> affection for. Israel from India, and then sometimes you you see some racist remarks in response from the Israeli side. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess you do have a point. I think that like um, real politic is sort of back, and um, and and yeah, these countries are just acting in naked self interest too. I mean, Pakistan is certainly not opposing anything Russia is doing to make a point of sticking it to India. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, but like at, at the same time, they, they have their own whole thing going on over there at this point. Oh, true. Yes. Of course they, they certainly do. Um, but for anyone still, who doesn't know, I mean, they, uh, the, the, the prime minister was just um, uh, voted out, I think in no confidence. Right. And, and um, I, th- I think they either have a new one or they're voting a new one in big political uh, back and forth going on right there. Yes. Yes. But I, I, I just think it's um, it's especially notable in the in the case of um, in, in Israel's case, where Israel is um, gets so much from the United States. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Russia is using denazification as its excuse at the same time it's shelling um Holocaust memorial sites like Babi Yar um, and Israel hasn't been too bothered by it. I know they changed their tune somewhat after the Butcha um, massacre, but it, it is notable that, you know, like a state visit is 
a pretty big statement in and of itself. And for Bennett to go to Moscow um, immediately after the invasion certainly did seem to say it, 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 it sent a strong message. Now, whether or not that message has changed a little, you know, it's up for debate, but um, just sort of jiving off or, or vibing off, um, Owen, what you said in terms of the, the similarities between uh, Russia and Israel and how they talk about, um, you know, how they're talking about their military operations. And, yeah, and yeah. Hasn't, I mean, hasn't I, Zelensky also said in interviews, though, that he plans to model Ukraine after Israel, after the war? That yeah, that and it's going to be. And, a I think he made state? like one remark, like one comment well, about it. It doesn't. It's not really like super well, clear to me what he meant by that, though. He did. He did say he did give a speech to the Knesset as well, where he um, was trying to draw parallels between Ukraine and Israel. And you know, I guess you could say that. Um, he was in but, sell mode. He, he was just, tri- he, what's that? He was just trying to sell. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was just playing to the crowd. Um, but there, there have been instances before the war, you know, in the first eight years of the war, when it was limited to, um, the Russian backed separatists versus the Ukrainian army in Donbass, you did have instances of Ukrainian forces firing into uh, towns held by the separatists. And they themselves were saying, look, the civilians, they're, they're dying, but they should leave. They shouldn't be there. Yeah, it, it just goes back, though, to kind of the undermining of any sort of of order. And in the sense that Ukraine, which is the the, the victim of this invasion and calling for war crimes, tribunals to be brought against Putin in Russia is at the same time and you know to what extent it's authentic or not praising the Israeli state and talking about modeling Ukraine after it post invasion which if you were to step outside the US and poll the world on what is like the greatest human rights abuse campaign happening right now they would it would probably be what's happening in Palestine uh, at the hands of the Israeli government. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be one of them. Um, yes, for yeah, sure. One of them. So um, we, have, we have a little bit of time left. We're going to take James's call in just a second, but I do want to just um, uh, my friend Mike uh, comments here in the chat. Um, uh, mighty curious. A long while back, I had a chance to read through the uncensored war medium Vietnam. Do any of you reckon uh, that the television co- coverage of the war in Ukraine is vastly different in tone to articles that get published about all this? I wondered, not too sure, but wondered if there's anything to compare and contrast. I mean, cable news coverage of uh, of this stuff has, has kind of always uh, going to be pretty overly simplistic, I think. And uh, certainly if it's uh, corporate cable news, you know, CNN, MSNBC is going to be pretty jingoistic um as far as this covered i mean you know fox as well obviously is a part of that as well like you know like they um the uh cable news especially i mean all all media is or most media is is a business but cable news especially and they really enjoy uh showing war i would say that um well one side of it at least yeah i I, I'm a little hesitant to 
uh, generalize here, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, uh, which is to say that my understanding of the um, television coverage of the Vietnam War is that uh, there was a good amount of it that was just hard reporting and it was being done through the medium of television. And that didn't sort of help the, um, the, the, the manufacturing consent cause because a lot of people were seeing um, U S soldiers getting killed every night and, or, or being carried out wounded. Um, they saw a lot of the damage uh, firsthand that was more, you know, obviously I want to caveat that with the United States bombed the hell out of, of, of civilian areas in Vietnam, which was, you know, genocidal, one of the worst atrocities um, of the century. And that doesn't even include, you know, the wars in Cambodia, Laos, et cetera. Um, but I guess this is just to say that it, it seems like the nature of TV coverage of war, like the consent factory, for lack of a better term, has figured out how to editorialize better and how to um, just hit people with 24-7 talking heads garbage uh, and and very carefully curate what gets shown and what doesn't get shown. Whereas before in, in the Vietnam era, I think that the TV did did fly in the face of, uh, uh, of the agenda of pro-war policymakers in a way that you don't see really anymore. Definitely. Um, Sam, do you want to speak or, or should I move to James? Well, I was, I was just saying that just real quick, virtually there doesn't seem to be anywhere when it comes to coverage of of Ukraine. Like, and I don't watch all cable news all the time, but I mean, I haven't even seen like it happen once where I've seen a guest come on to push back against the idea that the U.S. should be arming Ukraine or try to try to suggest that the U.S. should be more involved in peace negotiations or question the the sanctions that have been placed on the general population in Russia. So it's almost just completely unanimous from what I've seen, which I think would be there. There was a lot of opposition that got a lot of media coverage to the Vietnam War and the U.S. role in it. And a lot of that was forced, you know. And if U.S. troops were dying to the extent they are dying in Vietnam and Ukraine, you'd probably start seeing that as well. But for now, you don't. Definitely. All right, uh, James, we're going to take your call here. And then I think we're probably going to wrap it up after that. Uh, so thanks to both the Sands for, for joining me on such short notice. Uh, James, you are good to go. Hey, sorry, I'm a little late here on the topic. So I hope I'm not too far off a point. But I did want to bring up um, something ironic and it just seems to be such a, a mix up because of, um, of, of, I don't know, of interest, but I just want to remind, um, that when Mike Flynn went to Russia to try to get Russia to veto Obama, because Obama in the UN was planning on, um, abstaining in a, a security council vote that Flynn went to Russia to get Russia to try to veto a resolution that proclaimed uh, illegal settlements in the West Bank. Right. So, um, so here you have the U S president 
sending someone to Russia to have Russia try to veto. Now this was, I'm sorry, this was before, this is before, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is before Trump becomes a president. So he sends him while Obama's in office. I mean, it's crazy if you think about how many things took place just to try to get Russia to veto a UN vote on Obama, you know, so at this point, like nobody cares. It's just, we'll do anything we possibly can to try to save, uh, I guess you want to say, save the perspective and face of Israel at a time where, you know, they're obviously uh, breaking UN laws um, and that we'll even use Russia to try to, to play the game too. So it's pretty amazing. So there's some intercept articles there. You can find uh, the story that, you know, some of the Russian collusion really isn't exactly what people think, but it had a lot to do with that UN vote. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I, you know, I think that, um, that was the same, that was yeah. the same phone call that Flynn had to resign for, but he had to resign because of the sanctions talk with Russia, not because of the colluding to like, quote unquote colluding to uh at the UN vote uh on behalf of Israel. Wasn't I mean wasn't it wasn't it kind of both though? I mean was wasn't it that you know that that he was approaching them uh like like certainly less about the vote itself, but kind of approaching them like, look, just do this for us and then we'll help you you know, like there was there was obviously um I guess it just goes back to kind of the media coverage of it. You never heard that aspect of the phone call, right? That was that was the the, the Israeli ask was never a part of of the U S media coverage of what Flynn did wrong there. Yeah, it was, it was all Russian meddling in, in the mainstream coverage and um, also overlooked in the whole coverage on Flynn was if, if I recall correctly, the thing he got in trouble for most was being an unregistered agent of the Turkish government, um, which, you know, on, on my list and my hierarchy of scandal is pretty high up there in terms of everything he's Flynn had done. Um, and then there was also the fact that the very nature of that UN vote was really quite cynical and seemed to be, you know, it was the right thing for the Obama administration to do, but it was, they were, their motivation was clearly we're on the way out. Um, we know that the Israelis preferred Trump to Hillary Clinton. Um, and so we'll just give them this passive aggressive, we're, we're going to abstain now. And it was, I uh, think it was also a delayed fuck you from, uh, for, uh, you know, trying to tilt it to Romney as well back in 2012 when, when Netanyahu came, uh, and, and, and for trying to kill the, um, Iran nuclear, nuclear deal, um, which I don't want to say the Israelis have done because that was all uh, Trump, obviously, but their goals have been accomplished on on that front. Yeah, they definitely uh, they they definitely found in Trump a pretty willing uh, partner in a way that I think that they didn't have so much uh, with Obama, especially by by the end. In the in that like. You know, not not that not that Obama was uh, holding them accountable for anything or, or or cutting off aid or anything like that, but um, he was he was less willing to just kind of publicly go along with a lot of the more egregious stuff uh, that they were doing, rather than than Trump, who just didn't didn't give a shit at all.
in yeah. how it looked. Just didn't care. So certainly, certainly an interesting thing. Uh, uh, thanks for the call, James. Um, so I, th- I think we're going to wrap here. You get, you, maybe we'll do some final thoughts from you guys, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll call it there. So um, yeah. <laughs> Final yeah, thoughts. thank you guys for for uh, for being able to do this on like ten minutes notice. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, I guess my final thought would be a callback to a thought I had earlier, which is, uh, yeah, watch the uh, um, the manufacturing consent documentary on YouTube if you want a solid understanding of uh, of what's going on vis-a-vis the the media coverage of this. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll agree with Sam's final thoughts. <laughs> I got nothing else. Thanks for having us on, Owen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Um, well, thanks everybody, uh, for tuning in. If you, again, if you're listening live or on replay on the app and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show so you can stay up on what we're doing. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please like and rate us and follow us, et cetera. Do a subscribe, do whatever the name of the stuff is on there. Um, Yep, and we'll we'll see you next week. All right, bye.